Folks at home, folks at home, how you doing? Welcome back to the Ike Live Christmas special. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Sunday night. Pretty interesting. We saw some of the footage to the Mark Zona show that I shot. It's going to air. We shot it on the Upper Bay. Woo! Yes. And I don't know if you remember this, Jay. We worked together. One of the first times I worked with you in the boat was a media event that Pete put together, I think. Or it was something that I you were yeah, in my boat at the Upper Bay. Yeah. It was years and years ago. Because I don't think I don't think I've ever even won a tournament, a big tournament yet at that point. Maybe like a federation or something. But we worked together. That was a cool experience. Yeah, I was nervous to have you in there. <laughs> no, seriously. No, I was because I had it. You know, it was early. It was. I want to say it was late '90s, early 2000s, and I, I hadn't, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing yet. So I was, that was nervous cool. too. You were nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I didn't I'm, have to produce the fish for photos. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> did, you've been on a million of those things. You've been on a million writer excursions. Yeah. Give me a couple good stories. Give me a couple good stories of anything crazy, anything strange. The writer staying up late. Getting into the booze. No, Mark those. Hicks stories. <laughs> uh, the, no, the classics are the writers staying up late and doing. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, those are some. Yeah. Do the writers hang together? They used to. Is that right? Yeah, they used to. I think I went to the, my first classic in like 92, maybe. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was real young, you know, and the stories I heard were like, I think they altered my, me for life, you know, like what the writers used to do in the Bob right. Bob days. Yeah. It was like one drunken mess. It was different yeah. back then, oh, wasn't it? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, they, it was all the hard-bitten journalism thing. They type in their things, they call in their stories, probably smoking, you know, yeah. and then they just get completely lit, and apparently Bob Cobb would walk in there and be like, you guys all suck, man! He's just screaming at him, you know? Yeah, did you ever hear Bob Cobb? <laughs> he was messing around with him. Yeah. Dude, what, we actually had Bob Cobb, Brian DeCarpenter, the first year we had the show. No we had, way. Yes, we had uh, Bob Cobb call awesome. in. And he called in, and I can't confirm or deny it, Bri. Was he intoxicated or was he not intoxicated? He was intoxicated. He was intoxicated. We had him call in, <laughs> and he's – I can't remember – I wish we could had it to play back, but it we was something like – He's like, watch Ike Live, and by the way – Russ Lane's a pussy. No Bob way. Bob Cobb said that. Are you serious? Yes. Why? I have no idea. We still can't figure it out. I think he was just having fun. I think he was having fun, too. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, the classic, how the hell you, – you're, you're like usually the only or one of one or two guys that have access to the back hall – of the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. How do you do that? Still, you mean? Still, yeah. Like, you're the only dude year after year that's in the hall. Like, you know, yeah. you get us right before we go into the He's dungeon. He's the Walter Cron- Cronkite of Bass That fishing, must be dude. what it well, is. I'm working yeah. for Bass now. That's how I do it. That's okay. a classic. Yeah. Okay. I will tell you this, though. I don't know if you're aware that I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm the only media guy responsible for two, I think it's two, BASS rules being made wow <laughs> what are they know that. let's know yeah. i want to know about these uh, one was i know one for sure is that elite anglers are not allowed to talk to the media until they have gotten to the they have basically weighed in i believe is right the thing. because and that came from jay yellis i had back surgery the year yellis won so i couldn't go to the classic so every day after he checked in what a great guy he is he would call me on the way to the weigh-in. Wow. But I would wait for Bass to publish out of courtesy. Yeah. But as soon as they published, bang, I hit it. So they made a rule against that. Um, wow. Just from being a media guy. And there was another thing where, I don't know if you guys remember, but when I was doing ba- this was Bass Fan Days, I would literally force my way. Remember uh, George McNeely? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like all the guys who aren't around anymore because they really didn't care about bass fishing. Yeah. <laughs> so I would literally almost threaten physical violence to get past everybody out to interview you guys. And it was such, like, angst that to this day, like, the tournament directors and stuff, they're always asking me, like, 
who you working for again every time I walk out there. <laughs> and they made a rule now. Like, you have to have a pass of a certain kind. A credential yeah, with a certain indication. Of, yeah. And that was because I was like, I would just raise heck and get back there. And then what happened was everybody else started to complain. Yeah. So then they had to figure out how are we going to handle this. Yeah. But I think there's one more rule. I, I'll have to read the rules again. Wow. But I mean, like, how many... <laughs> Like now you can tell it's not a pro sport because how many pro sports have rules because some media guy? I get media credentials when I'm down there now, Jake. I know. You do? They're, they're, I get the buffet and everything. They, 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 lo- they lowered, yeah, it's lowered bar, much lower bar. <laughs> He's like putting it in his pocket. Yeah. Sandwich. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I man. sneak back yeah. friends. He's just like all the rest of the media, except he doesn't do any work. Yeah. He just hangs around, doesn't have a tape recorder or a pencil or pattern. Buffet, sells baby. weed to the anglers. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Wow. Wow. What are you what are you doing at the class? Well, I used, I used to do the patterns. Like there'd be a slideshow after the classic on bassmaster.com and it'd be a real detailed about what each guy used, the you know, the gear, the color, the where he fished and how he fished. I don't know if they're still gonna use me for that or not, because uh I, I used to get like ticked. Because I'm like, this is like the most important information. Other than the winner, you know, and running down his whole thing. Like, everybody had a plan going into the most prestigious tournament in the world. Find out what it was. Like, I want to know, you know. So, I don't know. I love doing it. And, you know, apparently it it did pretty well for him. But I don't know if they'll keep doing it because they have... It just changes all the time. Right. They got the live thing and all. What that. about the? Is the war room going to happen? Is that a thing of the past? They killed it. Yeah. People love that thing. Yeah. You know. Hmm. I don't get it. Hmm. Talk to Bowman about that. Yeah. Get him going. Now speaking of, we're talking about the Bassmaster Classic, mm-hmm. which is the biggest bass tournament in the world, professional bass tournament, fishing tournament, fishing tournament. Yeah. But I just got back from the Hobie Worlds in Louisiana. And it's the biggest kayak championship in the world. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. How many boats? So, uh, 50 boats from 18, 19 different countries. What? Yes. Mm. How do they know how to catch our fish down there? Well, the, well, it, that's the great, that's the beauty of this sport. And um, so they've got, the, I, I'll just run off a couple that I remember. Uh, China. um uh, Japan, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Spain, Italy, uh, I mean, South Africa, the list goes on and on. And all these competitors from different country, they compete in qualifying events throughout the year, and and it doesn't matter. So, you know, in New Zealand, they're fishing for a pike. In Australia, they're fishing for perch or, you know, whatever. But as long as they, you know, are the top in, in you know, whatever those criteria are, they get invited to this world championship, and every year it moves. It's the most interesting thing, right? So this is the sixth year of them doing it. Wait, but, wait, wait. How do they get their gear over here? Okay. Yeah. So Hobie provides all the gear, and this is what I love about it. I, 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 cause I had all these same questions. Yeah. I'm, like, freaking new to the sport, you know? So I'm like, this is amazing. Like, what? And, like, I get there. And, dude, it reminds me of the classic back in the day. Yeah. They've got the official launch, and there they go. Freaking 50 kayaks, all identically rigged, lined up, side by side. They had three main different color patterns, but they're all Hobie, PA, uh, PA Angler, 14s, duded out, power poles, Lorances. Really? Exactly rigged the exact same way. Dude's name on them and a flag for their country. It blew me away, really? dude. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Is it's South crazy. Nation. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, you know, so they had one in Australia, they had one in Spain, and the species are changing every year. So, you know, in in the kayak world championship, you not only have to be a good bass fisherman or a good pike fisherman, or you have to be a good fisherman. You have to know how to catch fish, and uh, and the other thing is you have to know how to strategize in a, in, a, in a tournament. You have to know how to strategize. And, and yeah, here we go right here. We're, we've got some footage Brian the Carpenter just pulled up. This isn't, I don't think this is from this year's, but that's a good look of what it looked like. Just, they're lined up. It's the most unbelievable thing. Um, 
But, you know, the strategy, and this is the other thing that blew me away, Pete, in a bass tournament. Okay, so they fished. We were in southern Louisiana in the mosh. I mean, it reminded me a lot of Venice where we fished. Okay. Um, Port Fouchon. Port Fouchon. <laughs> Am I saying that right? Fouchon. Fouchon. Louisiana. By the Trinos. By the Trinos. They use the word Trinos and Rosicane all the time there. And um, so, dude, they'd launch them. And it's a freaking shotgun blast, bro. Kaboom! And everybody's there. They go, <laughs> dude. And it's they're, totally quiet. Wait, they're Hobies, right? So it's pedal drive. Oh. So they're all just, dude. I mean, like, I they had these competitors from China. These little guys are like five foot and they're skinny, but their legs are like freaking Popeye. They're like, eh. but think of the strategy, dude. Think of the strategy that goes in that, Pete. You don't have a 250 on the back. You've got to literally pedal power or you know paddle. That's a huge strategy because of course it's time. It's what about know, what about preparation? Do they get scouting? They time? get two scouting days. Okay, they get two scouting days. Can they fish? They can fish. Yep, okay. they get two scouting days where they can fish. And here's a shot. Uh, Brian the carpenter has a shot of one of the blastoffs in the morning, and that's what it looks like. It's almost like a race. <laughs> Look at that. It's crazy. It's like the Olympics, man. It's like the Olympics. It's crazy. <laughs> but the, uh, the strategy behind it blew me away because I, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, like we're jaded because, you know, we can run to – Wherever. Know, yeah, we can run up the river 20 miles. And if our plan A doesn't work, well, we just start the outboard and run 20 miles back. We can fish the dam. We can fish mid-lake. We can – all within a couple hours – but these guys, if they go 10 miles, dude, they're committed. That's a huge – you've Look, got current. You've got wind. Right. That's a crazy it's similar, it's similar, though, right? It's like a microcosm. You know, yeah. an hour run time, you've got a budget. You've got a budget the time. And, but a lot, see, a lot of the uh, events that I've seen before is they allow them to launch at satellite ramps. Yeah. Right. Not, around, in this not in this one. Not in the World Championship. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. not in the World Championship. So what do you think a big yeah. run is in the world? I guess we could ask Steve that. We're going to ask Steve what a big run is. He made some big runs. He said that on stage, so we'll corner him about that. Especially down here where you're dealing with saltwater infiltration. Yeah, and you got to know where the fresh water is, yep. and and uh, you could get your. I mean, yeah. I, I, well, that's well, what ama- scouting's there for. But it's amazing. That's what there. we do down there in the classic and stuff. Is we yeah. would run through the salt water to get to the good areas. I mean, they're using the same technologies that we use, they're using GPS and side imaging and freaking power poles, and, and that's really cool. But here's the other thing. Check this out. Here's the other thing. So, um, three species of fish in this tournament. It was redfish, trout, ah. and flounder. Which is interesting. I love that. You know what I mean? So different strategy depending on which different species. And the tournament winner or leaders are based off of length, not weight. So it's a CPR tournament, and most kayak tournaments are, right? So they've got CPR, catch photographs, and release. Okay. So they've got a official Hobie bump board, and they get like a fob in the morning. That identifies has some kind of identifying feature on it, and they catch that fish. Here's another shot of some big reds. They catch that red fish. They lay it down on that board, and they've got to take a picture of it with that fob there, the length, you know, tip tip of the mouth to the bump board, and the tail, you know, not fan, just normal position. Get a picture of it, and then that's how they score their bass. It's not weight. It's amazing. Like, like, think about that. And they're responsible for taking that picture themselves. So here you, you got, are. You catch like a twenty-pound redfish, and you're you got to control that. You fish. still have to get that picture. You know, for it to count. Right for it to count. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Talk about a Jim Bitter moment. You know. Yeah. You got him. <laughs> now you yeah. don't got him. Yeah. Jim Bitter. Yeah. That fish was. <laughs> Bitter's fish was like that long. I know. Remember that thing? Yeah. yeah. It's it's like a little twelve and a half. Smallest twelve-incher you ever Do saw. You remember what happened? How? Yeah, I I can see it on Bassmaster where he like he he landed it. And he put the bump board on the deck or something, and he went to measure it. Tink, 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 tink. And he was he was like two yeah he was like, <laughs> two grabs behind it. <laughs> really? Yeah. My memory is, and I may be wrong, is that he was going to put it in the well, and the media guy in the boat said, "Hold on." That was Tim Tucker. It was. Said, "Hold on, I'm going to take a picture of it," and that's when he. 
he stopped and dropped it. Uh, I I, I heard. I remember I, what you said though. Yeah, I, I thought I saw. I thought I remember seeing it on. They have the footage of that. Yeah. Tim, you may know. be right. The, I don't know. The story right. that I heard is very similar. That this, but this is what I heard. He had the fish. He was going for the live well with it. Yeah. And Tim Tucker said, "I don't think that fish is that that may is, be. is a keeper." Oh, okay. All right. Which in, which okay. So then Jim went and put it on the board, and then disaster happened after uh, that. Okay. Wow. That's okay. that's the story that I heard. That's probably right. That's the hybrid wow. story. That's, that's weird what your mind does to you, because I vividly remember seeing it bounce off the off the, uh, yeah, wind, the windshield. The windshield. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I vividly... <laughs> I'm probably wrong, though. You know? I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. But I, I was, I'm telling you, I was... Uh, I was blown away, like, because, you know, we're so, we get caught in our bubble. You know, mm-hmm. the World Championship is the Bassmaster Classic FLW Championship. It's a certain way. You're so set in your ways. Right. And I got here, I was so impressed by, you know, all the differences in the event. And here's the biggest thing I was impressed by. And I, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but you had 50 guys from 19 different countries. And it was almost like, Camaraderie. Oh, I don't want to say a party atmosphere, but almost like camaraderie. Like we were at, I was at the pre-tournament banquet, and uh, wow, is that vodka? Straight, <laughs> straight. And uh, <laughs> and, and like the countries were talking to each other. You know, like Australia and USA were like talking strategy and talking baits, and they were laughing. And you know, I mean, I'm looking at my watch. It's like 10 o'clock the night before the event starts, and they're still hanging. And I'm like, it's just, it was a weird, refreshing feeling. Yeah. Because, dude, you would never see that in a Bassmaster Classic. Dude, mm-hmm. you'd even with friends, you would never see them. You was, know. That, was that like a universal translator, though? Like, you know, like the UN? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ah, come on, so young guy. So, and like, so yeah, like China, it's some cold of the, out here. China, Taiwan. I think some other countries did have translators as part of the team. There were translators. Yeah. It's impressive, man. Yeah, it's neat. It was awesome. And it was awesome to see the different techniques that got used. And we're going to hear Steve talk about what he used to win. But, you know, you think about Louisiana, you think about gulp on a jig head. But, dude, there were dudes, like I was talking to a guy from, um, I think it was uh, uh, Switzerland. And, dude, he was showing me, like, this little swim bait, tricked-out swim bait I never saw before. I'm like, what the hell? You know what I mean? So there's that information sharing going on. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Neat concept. What does what's something guy sound like? Like like the Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> A lot like the Stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. about it? Well, what, what was the money involved? Let's. That's... So I don't know what the exact prize was. We're going, I, we'll ask Steve okay. that. That's a great question. Because that'll dictate the competitive yeah. environment. But i, I got to tell you... When it comes to trophies, dude, they had the coolest trophies. <laughs> Brian, do we have a picture of the trophy? Okay. There it so, is, trophy bag. There it goes. That's yeah. This is these are all different. People. That's a trophy. That's a trophy. Damn, uh, that's a trophy that and awesome. a half. Damn. Yeah. So there it goes. Dude, the trophies have mounted fish on them. <laughs> Even second, third, fourth, and fifth place were plaques that have the species that they were fishing for mounted on them. So I don't know if you can see it there. That's a redfish on the right, a trout on the left, and there's even a flounder on that somewhere. Mount it on the trophy. Decent the coolest pres- thing in the world. Decent presentation on Lassard's part, too. Yeah. You know, good extension. No, <laughs> yeah. form. Well, he's, he's a two-time world's winner. We're going to talk to him about that. But he's been through the ropes. He's done this before. So Now, he's yeah. showing nowhere in that picture. Right. They're, they're fiberglass replicas. They are fiberglass replicas. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're not real. Yes. I thought that was real taxidermy going on. No. There. Okay. It's fiberglass replicas. But uh, neat event. Neat event. I mean, I just I, I'm I'm blown away by it. I thought it was the, the coolest thing. And now have they qualify the, the qualification qualifying events? Yep. So they qualify in their country. They get invited. Yep. To be the best in their country. Yep. Does the do they fly them over or do they are they responsible for? I'm pretty sure it's all expenses paid. Their lodgings taken care of. Their flights really? taken care of. Yeah. Yes. Their kayaks That's are just provided. Like the classic. Yeah. It's like the classic. It's an amazing deal. I mean, these guys like there are millions and millions of kayak anglers out there. And this is like there are millions ma- of kayak anglers. Millions, come on, really? millions. This is like making the Bassmaster Classic for kayak guys. Seriously, okay. it's a big deal for them. It's a big. I'm, deal I'm not them. making fun of it. I yeah. just haven't heard of it. There before. are millions now, of kayak anglers. Yes. Now, now, the to qualify for this, they, I mean, they're obviously fishing for different species. Yeah. 
uh, in the different parts of the yep. country that they're in. Yes. And uh, it just, uh, I guess it's, it's they must go around from species to species for the qualifying events. I, uh, qualifying events, they fish for species based on where, where they're at. And it has nothing to do necessarily with what they're fishing so, so for. So these, the these people are coming and fishing for redfish potentially for the first time. A lot of them did. And the reverse. And we're going to talk to Steve in a second. But when he won a few years back, he fished, I think it was in the ne- Netherlands. Brian the Carpenter, am I correct? When Steve's first win. He had never fished for like Luthia or whatever the hell they were fishing <laughs> for over there. So you've got to be. A great angler, not a great bass fisherman, not a great pike fisherman, not a great saltwater guy. You've got to be a great freaking angler, period. And I love that. You know, I love that about it. Is this artificials only? It's artificials only. Yeah, artificials only. Okay. All right, we're going to – Brian Carpenter, I think we're going to talk to Steve here in a second. Okay, I think he's got him clued up. Um, Joining us, I think he's at home, and we're – gosh, this is the great thing. He's only – we're not even two weeks, I think, off his win – so uh, this is exciting to have him on. Uh, the 2014 World Champ, the 2016 World Champ in Louisiana, 2012 IFA Regional Champ, 2013 IFA National Champ, five AOI titles, 20 wins in the last six years. Damn. The one, the only, Steve Lassard. Woo! Wow. Hi, Steve. Can you hear us? What's happening, guys? How are you? Can you Hi, hear me? I can hear you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm trying to volume up here just a bit. All right. Good. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting settled back in, you know. And, hey, to honor you, Mike, I've got the Christmas spirit going on here. Got the, uh, I've got the Nutcracker, uh, Rockstar <laughs> Nutcracker for you. Woo! I've got my, uh, I've got my bass uh, stocking ready to go to yes. be uh, stuffed <laughs> with some lures. So, uh Hanging out with my buddy Lance here. Lance. Lance. Yeah. What's up, Lance? Alligator boy. Remember the uh, It's Not a Catfish video? He went uh, viral with Yes, that. good to see you again, bro. Yeah. Good to see you guys. Having fun it. just hanging out. That's awesome. Now, thanks for joining us. Now, I got to know, we're less than two weeks away, uh, ahead of when you won. Are you still on Cloud9? This is a big deal. Yeah, you know, um, it, it really just kind of kind of soaking in i mean uh the week after uh i was just uh physically drained i mean we went over 50 miles uh i did myself some anglers went 40 some went uh as much as i did um but went 50 miles over a five-day period and uh you know pedaling in the hobie um using the leg power and uh it's like running a marathon so you got that to manage, and, and when these tournaments are over, you are just physically drained. So uh, this week has been kind of a good uh, recovery week for me, and kind of soaking it all in. That, that's awesome. I uh, man, I was there uh, when they announced you as winner, and you hoisted that trophy over your head. And I I was sitting in the back. Like, I was in the very very back. I wasn't even sitting. I was standing, just watching it. And like I got chills because it reminded me of you know like winning the classic. It was it, it I was watching it. It is does it get old? This is your second world's win. Does it get old the second time around, or is it the same feeling? Oh man, uh, I just didn't think it would happen again. You know, uh, I went to the Netherlands in 2014. I, you know that picture that you showed just a, just a minute ago, me holding that pike. That was the first pike I'd ever caught. Wow. And, uh, I didn't even know how to hold the fish. I didn't know where I could put my hand. <laughs> you tried to lip it, didn't you? Mouth, and it has teeth that are a half inch long, you know. And So uh, I'm trying to hold that thing. And uh, my buddy from Canada took that picture. And, uh, you know, so, so the, the second pike I caught, I had to put on the board and try to get a measurement on, which was even bigger than that one. That was my first tournament fish. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I was on cloud nine after winning in the Netherlands. Um, and, you know, I just, uh, to come back. And now you've had this feeling before. I, I talked to you about it, about now I'm at home. You got yeah. all these anglers coming in from around the world and they're saying, oh, he's the local guy. And, you know, he, he knows all these spots and whatnot. But it's more than that. It's, it's fishing the weather. It's yeah. managing your body because you you're going so hard and so far, 
all that stuff is going on at the same time. I just didn't think it would happen again. And being at home, there was a lot of extra pressure uh, of trying to perform uh, at home. So to win the second time is just uh, even more exciting than the first. Yeah. Now, so for a lot of our listeners and viewers watching, um, talk to a little, little bit about the fishery. It is your home fishery. And then talk about the weather that came in because that was a major story of not only the event, but I think it was a major story of how you got to the top. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, coming into the event, uh, I, I, I was watching the weather, long-term forecast, and, and this and that. And didn't know if it was going to be quite as bad as some of the forecasts were, were predicting. And uh, you know, we have to play these weather cycles. They're like a circle. So you'll get the you'll get the southeast wind, and that's when it's peak. Uh, that's your peak uh, marsh coastal fishing. And when it turns around and it starts coming out the west, northwest, and it starts muddying everything up, and you have a short window there where you can still catch fish, once it starts blowing north hard, that's it. It's usually over. And then you'll have a day after that of, of uh, super hard uh, wind and high pressure. And uh, it's not until usually the third or fourth day after a front that the cycle turns back around and you get back to an east wind or a southeast wind, and you can start catching fish again. Well, man, it, it just it worked out so good for me because the anglers were all catching fish in practice. I mean, guys were catching huge redfish, big trout. Uh, nobody was catching flounder because they were kind of all gone, you know, migrated out about a week earlier. There was a few flounder caught. You know, everybody was catching fish in practice, and then this weather comes in. And, uh, man, I tell you, that, that just – everybody knows it. My, my buddies, Lance knows this. Uh, if it's bad weather, I usually have a good shot. If it's good weather, I don't have a good shot. Everybody else is, is catching fish, and it's kind of a – you know, it can be a roll the dice kind of a tournament. But when it's bad weather, it usually is kind of my strength for whatever reason. I don't know. I can't explain it. And uh, this horrible weather was coming in. We had 25-mile-an-hour north wind on the opening day of the tournament. Talk about that. That's crazy. In a kayak. In a kayak. In yeah. a kayak. Man. Yeah. Hey, Mike, I'll, I'll say this. I think I got serious about tournament fishing about four years ago. I met Steve five or six years ago on the water, in fact. And about four years ago, we, we did an IFA, and it was almost like – Bad luck. Every major tournament we had in Louisiana, we had the kind of weather you saw when you came down. So it's almost <laughs> like Steve has been training for this and, you know, been able to adapt and, and cope with this bad weather that you could have and the conditions and how quickly they changed. Because that really was the, the thing that changed for all the international guys. I mean, one day it was 10 or 15 degrees, and the next day it was uh, uh, mile-per-hour winds, and the next day it was over 30. And right. He knew just what to do because he's, he's done it here in Louisiana for so long. Yeah. Now, I, I got a question for both you guys. Both you guys have bass fished in big boats before. Um, for, for a lot of our viewers watching that have never fished out of a kayak, what do you think is the biggest challenge in kayak fishing? And what's the biggest challenge in kayak tournament fishing? Well, uh, so, so there's a couple of things that are different than being in the boat. In the boat, you have in the back of your mind, I can make a bad decision about a spot that I'm going to. And I can just turn the key and I can take right. off and go. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you when you commit in the kayak, I agonize over where I'm gonna go because if I'm going on a three or four mile trip, I'm committed. Yeah. And you have just made that bed and you gotta lay in it. Yeah. And um, you know, before I took off uh, for this particular event, I mean, you know, I, you know, I said my prayers and, and, and I'm telling you, I mean, you really agonize about where you're going to go. And I just, uh, I felt like I had a, a certain place that I needed to go. I felt like that's where, um, I'm going to do it. And when I got there and it worked, it, it's just an overwhelming type of feeling. But that is one of the major differences is, is, uh, picking a spot, going there, and uh, making the adjustments to catch something in that area. So you see these uh, these numbers in this tournament. You say, well, you know, 15-inch trout, that's not that impressive. And it's not. 
But when you're trying to catch a 15-inch trout in 30-mile-an-hour wind and the water is so dirty that you can't see a lure two inches down, yeah, um, yeah. that's when you know, man, I've, this is going to be tough. So uh, your your distances, your your, your uh, decisions on where you're going to go, how far you're going to go, that's one of the major differences. As far as the equipment, look, we have, like you said, we have some of the best equipment. We have the... Uh, the fish finders, side imaging. We have power poles on the back. I mean, we can stake out just at a push of a button. A lot, a lot of features. And the Hobie Mirage Drive. I mean, that's like the the piece of technology that that uh, that allows us to do this. But the rest of it is the same. The, the fishing equipment's the same. I use the same reel that, uh, that 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 you have. I have um, I have some of the same rods, some of the same reels, and uh, the equipment's pretty much the same. But the uh, but the uh, the kayak itself is uh, a limiter as far as how far you can go. Yeah, yeah. The, it's it's got to be fascinating with the thirty mile an hour wind and the currents that you're dealing with down there because you're a tidal water situation. I guess it's it, it must have been like faster one way than the other. <laughs> yeah. So funny story. So uh, so we're going out and we we're trying to make our decision. Well, I think I'm going to go over to spot A. And uh, you get out there and look. Well, the wind is to your back. The current's coming behind you. Man, I look down on the graph, and I'm doing six miles an hour in a PA-14. I wow. mean, I'm hauling the That's now, smoking. How fast will your bass boat go? What, 75? Well, yeah. that well, that's I, faster than Brian the Carpenter's bass boat. He only <laughs> goes three miles an hour in his. <laughs> Well, I can just tell you, six miles an hour is hauling the mail in a kayak. So we're going, and you get uh, you get all the way down there, and you're pretty confident. You know, hey, that wasn't bad. Now, if you're if you're experienced, you kind of know, hey, man, I need to leave a lot of time to get back. Well, yeah. Turn around, and nothing's more discouraging than when you're going back at. 1.7 oh. or two miles an hour. Oh. Then it's a. Oh, then is that's the marathon. Then yeah. you're cranking away, trying to push through the current, which all this would be impossible without the Mirage Drive. The yeah. Mirage Drive makes this possible. So you're you're pushing through this current. You're pushing through all this tidal movement. The water is flowing so fast, guys cannot even get around the corner. And um, uh, it took me uh, 30 minutes to get there and two hours to get back. Wow. Wow. Hey, hey, Steve, hey Steve, this is Dave. Congratulations, champ. Let me uh, let me ask you, are you wearing shorts by any chance? <laughs> right now, no. Because uh, in the most heterosexual way, I'd like to see what your quads look like going against, <laughs> you know. Like I just tell you, man, uh, uh, I've gotten in better shape than all this tournament fishing. I'll tell you that. You gotta have great quads and calves, though, right? Oh yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just show him something, man. Out of the bag, you know. Steve has a, a I think, an elliptical with yeah. So he's got he's got his indoor trainer. So when he can't get out and get his miles in the kayak, he gets them done in the house. And that reminds me, Steve. Hey, congratulations too on acknowledging your friend, because Ike. Would have let him sit there awkwardly, not even introducing who he was. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I treat all my friends like total yeah. shit. So good job on that. Well, Steve called me and said he'd be on the show. First, I wanted to watch the show, but when he told me you would be interviewing him, I just I, I hit. I think I left some rubber in the driveway to get here. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's my buddy Lance, man. He's he's always with me. Look, he's been with me through thick and thin, you know. So I tell you what, when we. We're out on the water. There's a lot of things. You're talking about uh, camaraderie on the water and all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of that stuff that we, we talk to the internationals and, and all that. Seriously, if someone gets in trouble on the water, we're there for them and all that. But but when we're talking about lures and techniques and all that, yeah, there's probably just a just about 50 percent inf- real information and all that. <laughs> be I believe it. <laughs> I got, I got a question. Now, I've been down to southern Louisiana fishing, and there's something down there that has scared me to death from time to time, and that's in my bass boat, is all the gators. I got yeah. You got to figure those guys coming from China and other places. <laughs> Gojia! Gojia! <laughs> I mean, was, was that a factor? Does, does that scare you, being that close to them in that environment? Well, uh, you know, okay, so... So Lance here is, is just 
famous for his gator video, and that's some of the things that uh, that uh, uh, we've kind of been, you know, we've been around this this sport for several years now, and we're kind of used to it. And I had a, I have had a two close encounters. One time was at night, so we're we're taking off at night. We're going down this canal. All you can see is eyes in front of us. That's awesome. The spotlight, oh, wow. You're seeing eyes down this canal, but we, we want no to get way. that daylight trout bite. So we're we're hauling down this canal. My buddy that is riding right next to me hits the alligator. The alligator takes off and lunges towards my kayak. Hits oh, mine. The God. tail flops around towards me this way, and I got a tail that just misses me. And there's so much water in the kayak. I mean, it is just draining out the center hole. It is more water than I expected. I was soaked from head to toe. And that's the closest stuff had. Uh, a gator um, come up to me. I have had him chase my fish. Uh, you can't hardly throw a topwater in a canal with a lot of gators. They're after it all the time. So you have those things to deal with. And Now, the scariest thing is when one launches off the bank. So you're cruising along in the kayak. Yeah. It's quieter than a boat or anything else, really. It's just super quiet. You're gliding along your small profile, and this gator launches off the bank, right in front of me about a 12 footer so uh yeah we've had some close encounters wow. but for the most part they're harmless yeah i gotta tell you real quick tell you the story um and i didn't mention this but part of my being at the worlds this year was i also filmed a show a, a going ike show that'll air next year while we were there and this is a true story so we're uh i'm fishing with keaton from hobie and we're pedaling out to go to our first little spot and dude, they're dolphins. Are they dolphins, Steve? Are they porpoise or what no, are? Do- no, they're they're. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's correct. A lot of people call them porpoises, but they're the Atlantic bottlenose dolphin. Bottlenose and dolphin. People get in just pods all around you. Dude, they wow. were. I'm telling you, they were so close, surfacing near the kayak that I could almost touch them. It scared the crap out of me, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's do- weird. Dolphin bigger than the kayak coming up and surfacing. Oh, next oh, to man. Me. Hundred pounds, and I mean they're so powerful that uh, they can easily flip you if they wanted to. Oh, yeah, so wrong. I think they were trying to mate with me though. Yeah, because they were. <laughs> they, they might have liked you. you know? They were making this weird noise like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That sounds pretty bad, whatever it was. It had wood. <laughs> exactly. It sounds sexy. It did sound sexy. Uh, Steve, talk a little bit about – I love the fact in worlds that all these countries come together to compete. Uh, talk a little bit about that, and then can you tell us any good stories from – uh, either this world's or the world's back in 2014 of different different stories from these the countries bonding together, blending together. Yeah, so um, uh, this this particular in 2014, um, this one particular story, uh, we're pre-fishing. We had one day to pre-fish in the Netherlands. We had one day, and um, we had to we had to make it work. So uh, I picked an area. I said, instead I'm trying to spot hop all over these three lakes, I'm just going to pick one lake and try to learn this one lake and try to figure them out. And this, this one young uh, uh, boy, Dutch boy, told us about these ducks and these, these pike like to eat these ducks. So um, me and a couple of people heard that, and uh, we were thinking, man, I could find some areas where these ducks are kind of nesting and this and that. Maybe maybe some big pike are hanging around. So we get in this big area, this big pond, and uh, we're fishing all day for the perch and the, the zander, and the, which is basically a walleye. So we're fishing for these things all day, and uh, and I kept eyeing this bank. Man, it had it had uh, it had these uh, cattails on it, had some lily pads, and it had this nice sloping bank behind it with hay and i'm thinking man that's where the ducks are and i saw some walking up there and this canadian uh young canadian uh kyle moxon he was with he was over there in the lake with me and we kept passing each other all day and uh and i kept waiting for him to leave so i'd go fish that bank and he kept waiting for me to leave so he <laughs> well because we were both like man that, that looks pikey you know and uh we both 
at one point just said, hey, where are you going fish? I'm going to get the pike on this bank. Well, me too. So we, we both hit the bank. We decided to share the bank, and we split. We went both directions. Well, we found them. We found them, and in 15 minutes, we both had pike. So the next day in the tournament, um, uh, actually day number two in the tournament, Kyle loses all his baits that were catching pike. I had mine still, and I had caught my pike on the first day and on the second day. And I said, well, you know, this guy can kind of ruin my day tomorrow if he just brings in a bunch of people. So he asked me for a favor. He said, can I have one of those pike lures so I can try to catch a pike today on day two and stay in this tournament? You got the big lead. You know, let me just try to stay in it. I said, all right, I'll make a deal with you. We'll do it. If you try to help me on this bank tomorrow and keep some of these people away and, and give me this first section of the bank, you have the second section. So I cut my lure off my line. I gave it to him. He goes on, catches his pipe on day number two. And on day number three, he did help me. Uh, and uh, somewhat, so when we get down on day number three, he gets down the bank and I said, all right, Kyle, you fish the second half, I'll fish the first half. He goes about a hundred yards down and starts fishing. And I never see him again. He fished the whole bank all the way down. But he, he fished it real fast, and uh, I ended up catching my fish on day three and winning. So, so he dogged so, you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. No, it wasn't too bad. It was just a little bit, you know, <laughs> just a small amount, you know. <laughs> but it was that was my that was my story of uh, of that tournament. That I gave him I gave him my lure on day number two. He turned around, caught some fish. He ended up finishing second in the tournament. So uh, we, we figured them out together. We shared the bank. And I don't know if you've ever had that situation where you've had to share the, a bank with an angler or an area with an angler. I'm sure it happens to you guys too. But in the kayak, it happens to us more often than in the boats because we are more compacted together. You should have front kicked him with them super thighs, man, talking to you like that. You gave him your lure right off the end of your rod. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, champ, I got a question. How many rods are you guys allowed to bring out in the championship? Many as we want. Okay. Unlimited. Are you? Is this what you do now? Is this a full-time gig, or is this still some, still a hobby for you? It's a hobby, and, and the way I look at it right now is, you know, I, I – I would, I would like to turn it into a career. I mean, I'm going to go, I've got a, it's kind of like in the classic, I guess you get a guaranteed invite for the next year. So I get to, I get a guaranteed invite for next year. Um, we don't know where it's going to be, but, um, I'm sure Steve Fields down in Australia and Keaton, uh, here in the U S are going to plan this out. Right. And we're going to go to a nice exotic location. But, um, (laughs) the way I look at it right now is we're laying the groundwork guys years to come for another avenue to go fishing i mean who knows in 10 15 years where fuel prices are going to be where boat prices are going to be and it it just becomes difficult for say a young guy uh he's got maybe a wife and a couple kids he's you know he wants to go fishing but you know he can't afford a sixty thousand dollar bass boat or whatnot so but he can go out he can get a hobie which is going to give him the range. He can go on an eight-mile trip. In a, in a local lake, you can fish half the lake if you can do eight miles. So um, we're laying the groundwork, I think, for future generations of anglers that uh, will have an opportunity because of Hobie's uh, technology and the Mirage Drive. It's opened it up. Steve, you talk about the Hobie kayak. How much time do you spend standing versus sitting down? Um. Probably 25% of the time I do stand. Okay. Uh, I do stretch. You know, you stretch out a lot. Uh, uh, but, yeah, you, you know, you stand some. And, and now, I am – I will be the first to admit I am a sort of a jack-of-all-trades uh, as far as my fishing techniques. I'm not going to claim to be, uh, you know, a, a, like a Dave Fritz who is, uh, you know, master crankbaiter or, you know, Kevin Van Dam, master spinnerbait guy or, or whatnot. That, that's not me. I'm more like Ike, actually, where I like to fish all the different techniques and whatnot. But, man, I tell you what, when, when it comes to standing up, putting a good pair of sight fishing glasses on and going after reds, that is nothing that's more fun than doing that. But I am not – the best at it, but I do try. I do. I do swing at that. I, I won a couple of redfish uh, tournaments, you know, three or four. But um, 
uh, standing up is an awesome thing, and you can do it in the, the PA. You can stand up easily. I stand up in my outback pretty easily. Wow. What 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 what's the prize? I mean, we we uh, going on a whirlwind vacation with the big money. How much? What, what's first place get? Well, it's like the it's an Olympic style format. So actually, it's kind of a you know gold, silver, bronze type format. And there's three big trophies, and there's three uh, three real uh, recognizable spots that you get prizes. And uh, right now. Uh, it is kind of like um, it's kind of like a college football or something. You just we do it because we love it. Uh, we don't do it for the money, but um, you know the money's going to come down the road for for guys in the future when these these series are, are being developed right now all over the country. We have we have Redfish Tour series, we have Bass series, uh, uh, Coastal series. All these things are coming, but you know right now there's a little bit of money in it just to sort of pay for the hobby. And yep. um, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, there's there's some series that come down the road where a guy can make a living doing this. All right, we got uh, we got some IMs coming through. Uh, Want to catch up on a couple of these? We have a question from Sal Sinessa, and Sal wants to know: Is it true? And I'm assuming he's talking about this last world's. Is it true China got into a fist fight with Taiwan? <laughs> Uh, they it wasn't a fist fight, but uh, it's definitely a uh, one of those international scuffles. So, uh, man, the geopolitical thing, things that happen at these events, uh, you know, it hats off to Steve and, and Fields and these guys for managing those sort of situations. But it's very similar to an Olympic style event. I mean, back home, you know, you have a tournament. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this in a, in a bass tournament where um, the tournament's over and nobody talks to anybody for a month because you're kind of peeved at the other guy or whatever. Have you ever had that before? I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it happens to Mike. <laughs> Maybe six months. Maybe even a year. <laughs> but over here in these Olympic-style events, man, these guys, uh, they uh, – you know, there's a shorter amount of time to get aggravated at a guy and to, and to you know, you can you can turn a cold shoulder to him. So instead of doing all that, it's too time consuming. Yeah, they'll go and uh, they may vandalize the boat or they may do this or that or they may just block somebody on the water. I mean, we've had boat parade blockages. I mean, we've had all kinds of stuff that you just have to you have to put some of those things out of your out of your mind that's going on in the background and hopefully you're not the victim of some of that stuff yeah that stuff goes on it's this it, that let me know right there that this isn't all fun and games i mean we we have we beat up on each other on our little local tournaments but i'm telling you when you get to these type of events it is not fun and games 100 percent. i mean on the surface it is but behind the scenes it's just serious Steve, you should tell him how deep the rivalry runs with the internationals. I think he was telling me when he got back from uh, Amsterdam, you were winning after – were you in first place after day one or day two? Day, day two. So day two, he's in first place. Steve, when he got back from uh, Amsterdam, he said, you know, the Chinese were all behind me because they didn't want the Australians to win. And then the Australians were all rooting me on because they didn't want the Chinese to win. And it was just an interesting thing to learn about the rivalries between the countries. Everyone wants the uh, wants the title back in their home country. So that was really kind of a cool thing. He wants to know, uh, Dan Romano wants to know, is it true that Chad Hoover called you out? <laughs> Chad Hoover called me out. <laughs> Dan Romano asked, asked that question. Uh, uh, well, I just kind of tried to, uh, <laughs> I tried to put a little bit of, little bit of that stuff to the side. And, so it is true! Oh! <laughs> I didn't want to look at too much of that stuff, and, you know, I, I wasn't sure if it was the Chad. <laughs> right. Uh, an imposter. It could have been imposter Chad Hoover <laughs> calling you. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Uh, 
let me remind everybody watching tonight, if you've got questions, feel free to hit us up on our IM. Uh, you can also hit us up on our social media feed, at Ike Live Show, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, here's a big, broad question. We've got a lot of people watching and listening tonight that have never kayak fished. Why try kayak fishing? What would you say to someone that's never gotten a kayak? Why should they try it? Well, first of all, if you have, if you don't have the budget to go out, go offshore fishing, uh, uh, get a bass boat, go every weekend, make that commitment with the boat, the expense, and all that, it is the perfect way to to still fish on a smaller budget. And you still have the range. If you if you get a Hobie with that Mirage Drive, you can cover uh, most small lakes. You can cover, you know, a quarter of big lakes in that thing. And you you can still do some serious fishing uh, at uh, a lower cost. And it's yet it's still competitive. So uh, if if you feel the urge to compete, which um, most of us do, but uh, if you just want to go out and recreational fish for fun, you can get in a kayak for a, a lower price and have a good time. Hey. Hey. It's a whole different perspective when you're seated in that kayak and you end up in that three-foot battle with a redfish. What you experienced, Mike, I've been wanting to know, what was your first redfish in a kayak like? Uh, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. Yeah, and, and and again, I got a chance to film a uh, going Ike episode there, and um, you know, it wasn't even like a bull red. It wasn't a giant giant, uh, but the, the fight. And I've caught redfish before, but that fight from a kayak. You know, the it, it, the best That's way I can des- experience. Yeah, the best way I can describe it. It's like an in your face fight, an in your face experience. Everything is at the ground level. You know, from the fish biting to the fight. To the landing, it's all right there, and it, it it was amazing. I mean, I was so freaked out by it, I just sat there and screamed and panicked for like five <laughs> minutes after I caught that fish. It's definitely yeah, more so intimate. I talked to Tommy about that. He said you really had a good time. I uh, was. It, it, Tommy Eubanks, our legend. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. You know, Tommy and uh, and Brendan Bayard got me started in this in this deal uh, and, and kept me motivated over the years to to just continue and, and try to get better and try to continue uh, winning and, and whatnot, uh, you know, those two were, were instrumental in really launching a lot of kayaking in Louisiana. But, uh, but I can tell you, you know, when you fight, when you fight fish in a kayak, uh, you, you know, you, you have guys out there that, that go turkey hunting for the first time. And say, you know, I've deer hunted out of a stand my whole life or whatever, but the first time I went turkey hunting, I'm calling and I'm, I'm on the ground and I'm right there and you know all these you, you see this in the bass world too. A lot of these guys love to turkey hunt when it's off season. So uh, it's because it's so interactive. You're there with them. You, there's never a time when you're not thinking about or, or making a call or doing something or trying to hold perfectly still or moving to the next blind or whatever. Well, that's how kayaking is. It's perfect for someone with ADD like me. So, you, if you gotta, if you can't stand to sit still, I'm telling you, the kayak is the way to go because it's it's very uh, act, active. It, you're hunting the fish down. Uh, you do not have to sit there and just uh, take what's given to you on an anchor where you you can't move and whatnot. So it's it's very very active. Yeah, and as a bonus, just to let everybody know. Chicks dig guys in kayaks. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yes. Especially when you got Steve Lassard thighs. Right. With <laughs> the monster ass thighs. Chicks love that. Uh, man, I, I want to thank both of you guys for taking some time out uh, and joining us tonight. I, I I was so impressed by the event. I was so impressed by you guys, and um, I was like a student last week, learning and taking it all in. And uh, I left there a bigger, bigger fan of the sport of kayak fishing than I already was. So I appreciate your hospitality last week. It was amazing. And real quick, let me throw this out there to both of you guys, especially you, Steve. Um, Don't be shocked if I don't fish a couple qualifiers next year. And, you know, I'll be right there with you, bro. Bring it on. You know what I'm saying? I've I've been looking for an excuse to retire for years now. So this might be it. 
<laughs> well, I can tell you, it is addicting, and uh, it, it, it's just a lot of fun. And the best part about it is when you get home, you just take that kayak and you throw it in the garage and you just walk in the house. You're done. You don't yeah. have to flush the motor and you don't have to charge the batteries yep. and all that. You just throw it in the garage and you finish. Yeah, so uh, it's an awesome thing. It's awesome we've had thing. a lot of fun doing this over the years. Yeah. Well, I want to congratulate you again. What a what a great victory. What a great win. And uh, and I want to wish both you guys uh, a very happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Mike. We uh, we appreciate it. And uh, next time I next time I do one of these things, I was all upset because I forgot my lucky shirt. I mean, I thought I was doomed on on day number one when I looked in my suitcase and didn't have my lucky shirt. I don't know if you got any good luck charms, but this sucker goes with me everywhere, and I forgot it. So uh, I guess I'm gonna have to retire it now because. Now it's my lucky hat. So, I mean, you gotta have something, right? Yeah, my mine's underwear. Oh, oh well. <laughs> I have this. I wear. I wear the same pair every tournament that I wore when I won the classic of 2003. <laughs> 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 They're pretty hideous. Uh, thank you guys for joining us, Steve Lassard, everybody. Thank you guys. Wow, I, I tell you, man, I am, I'm definitely, seriously, I'm becoming a convert. You may a couple years see me. I don't know. I'm telling you, I bro. I don't you. believe it. I'm not sure. You, I'm telling you. <laughs> you got to bring your kayak to the winter league. Well, I might. I might. I just got to figure yeah. out how to have a live well in it. We got to have Alfonso sitting Indian style on the back. Yeah. I'm going to put his ass on a tube. Yeah, drag him. Yeah. Dude, what a nice guy he was. Oh, yeah. he's great. Yep. He's yeah. great. And I forgot to mention to him, he's yeah. uh, if if Charlie Hartley ever needs a stunt double, he's a great cat. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he might on Conroe, man. Yep. Yeah. Hartley's going to be there. He's yep. going to be there. He, he practiced for like two months. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. He, like, from the last Central Open, the one that Cliff won, he, like, went straight there. And I when I, I got there on Sunday night last week, I saw him leaving. Like, he had been there the whole entire time. Really? That's yeah, just amazing. fishing his way around the whole lake. The whole town was waving goodbye and everything? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Dude, that looks just like Charlie. Look it does. Him. Look at that. Look at that. Man. I, okay. I, Charlie. Let, let's, uh, we got a special thing that I want to do in a couple minutes. We'll do a quick catch up. We'll do this special thing and then we're gonna we're gonna call the show. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching tonight. Uh, it's been an amazing show. Pete, catch everybody up real quick on some outstanding business. Bash University's got a couple cool things happening. Our classes are announced. Catch us up on that real quick. Bash University classes have been announced. Check it out at thebashuniversity.com. We're going to be in Tulsa. We're going to be in Indiana, Massachusetts, and Columbus this year. And uh, and today's the, the day. If you want to give this as a gift... To the fishermen in your family, uh, we have the stocking stuffer promotion. If you if you place your order today, it'll be there in time for Christmas. Uh, but that promotion will run through Christmas anyway. And if you can make any of the classes, subscribe to Bass University TV. Um, we also have a hat promotion. I think uh, with the carpenter has his hat right there. And uh, everybody that subscribes to Bass University TV uh, between now and Christmas is going to get one of those hats. Holiday card from Mike. And check us out. Wednesday at 7 p.m., another edition of BUTV Live. Um, this on, Wednesday. This Wednesday. Yep. On BassU.TV. So check wait, it out. Wait, can I give a testimonial BassU testimonial? We'd love to hear it. I've actually been to one of these. It was in, uh, where is it, New York? Suffering, maybe? Suffering, yeah. It was great. Like, it was great. And I've said this before in the Bass Blaster. I'll say it all day long. It is the best. If you're a serious bass fisherman... Or you want to be a serious bass fisherman, it's the best money you will spend, period. And I don't care if that's being there or watching the Bass UTV. They're not paying me to say this. I absolutely 100% believe it. Man, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. Being so serious, sitting next to... (laughs) Yeah, and and speaking of um, BU instructors who want to learn something, I think we've got one making a cameo. He's back. I thought he left, but he must have been back. Stormtrooper, thanks for coming back in again one more time. His lights are activated. Your lights are activated, and I didn't know this, but... Stormtroopers also celebrate Christmas. Is this true? Thank you for having me back. Okay. <laughs> we will now commence with the honoring of Chris Kringle. Okay. Titled Ike's Christmas. Okay. 
He has made the list. Look how long that is. <laughs> quiet. Yeah, come on, quiet. <laughs> he has made the list and checked it twice. Several of the anglers were naughty. Not nice. Their punishment will fit the crime. <laughs> Lifetime subscriptions to Proverb Live. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm sitting here right now. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> he knows if you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Because Cajun Baby is always peeping through the windows and watching you. What? It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even the cast crew because of the burglar alarm. <laughs> the stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. Ishama Monroe played they was full of bling and malt beer, <laughs> while Gerald Spindle hoped his was full of arrows to sling at the deer. <laughs> and Jim Niggermeyer dreamt of a new last name to start the new year. <laughs> Yay, Kuma! The chief bass blaster would kill to sell that one like bass fan for another three mil. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Grusek dreamed of Davy Height's demise. <laughs> so he may get the next shot on the best life. <laughs> <laughs> Becky was nestled all snug in her bed. With the doors barricaded because Dave Mercer was looking about the underfloor. <laughs> As Becky lay lapped in nearly extinct fur, she was far warmer than the skinless dead snow leopard was before. <laughs> Mike settled his brain for a long winter's nap, dreaming of kneecapping Skeet Reese with a yellow bat. Then <laughs> out on the lawn, there was some clatter. Mike looked out the window to see what's the matter. <laughs> it was eight anglers tethered to a sleigh with rope in mouth. If Bob Ozumi was there, he'd say, What's this all about? <laughs> <laughs> the driver of the sleigh was short and withered. <laughs> and when Ike heard him say, You're making it hard on me, <laughs> he knew it was Tommy Biffle. <laughs> His shorts were red corduroy and tight. Higher up his thighs than a Brian's a carpenter Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> he whistled and shouted and called the anglers by name. Schultz, Zona, Sancho and Nixon. Hackney, Cruz, Omari and Dixon. <laughs> Dixon, a running meat guy. <laughs> <laughs> Before cracks him with his flip stick and splackened, fly away! Before I can any protest me! As he fled Ike's gaze, he shouted, To the top of the porch! To the top of the wall! Till the sweat drips down my. Wait. Wait, wrong lyrics. But what Ike. Really heard him exclaim as Biffle flew out of sight. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs> wow. wow. Thank you. Wow. Oh, Thank you. I didn't understand half of it. I it was awesome. Wow. You understood. Would you like to understand my Kwanzaa and Hanukkah tribute? <laughs> no. no, I don't think <laughs> I was just curious to see how you have a JJ sounded vents quivering in fear. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing, Stormtrooper! Thank, thank you for that. Thank you, man. I feel, I'm, I'm, I, if I was not in the holiday spirit before, 
I am you right are now. now. Dude, I'm I am I'm ready for Christmas. We do Christmas well where I come from. You do? That's amazing. Look how uncomfortable Pete is right uh, now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Uh, hey Pete. Pete, you're very uncomfortable in the prototype. Storm shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Jay. I'm, I missed half of the inside. Stuff. Great, great call out on that shirt, Jay. Yeah, that was oh, awesome. I just got it in the mail too. So. <laughs> well, I I can't think of a better exclamation point for our Christmas special mm-hmm. than having the stormtrooper recite those. Thank, so thank you. Thank you very much. It was awesome. Man, what an awesome show. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching. Let me remind you that you can get our show anytime, Pete. You can get it on IkeLive.com, Stitcher. YouTube, and uh, while you're at YouTube, leave us a leave us a referral, leave us a, a, a posi- little note po- if you like it. Positive comment. Positive comment. Five stars. Five stars. Negative stuff too. Negative stuff. We like we'll take that. it all. No, we really don't. Uh, we've got uh, <laughs> exciting news. We've got two shows coming in January. We'll announce those dates we very soon. Yes, we'll announce those very soon. I uh, want to give a special shout out to our viewers. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for your IM comments. We've given how many prizes away tonight, Beck? Too many they won't get. <laughs> <laughs> how many prizes? Twenty-two. Twenty-two prizes Woo! tonight. Twenty-two empty promises. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been an amazing show. Uh, I want to thank everybody in the room tonight. Of course, Pete. Dave, Brian the Carpenter, the other Dave, uh, Becky, and Jay Kumar for coming Woo! in tonight. Awesome. Shout out to David Fritz and Steve Lassard, and of course, Cody Meyer with that giant spot. And Bill Dance. And Bill Dance. Uh, normally, we go out and we just say something really weird and they put a song on, but tonight, we're going to go out to song. Are we singing? Is this going to yeah, make me uncomfortable sing. again? Yeah, yeah. we're going to sing. Yeah. What should we sing? Beck? We should play this. Sing. Yep, she's, we're going to sing a Christmas song. She's busy writing. How about what, I'm singing? Yep, we're going to sing a Christmas song. You're singing too? How about you just sing, Beck? Yeah, yeah just you, Beck. That would be awesome. That's awful. Perhaps we could have planned this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said sing and everybody get real quiet, so we're not singing. <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells, Woo! jingle all the way. I can't sing. Oh, what fun. It is to ride on a fun horse open sleigh. Hey! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a fun horse open sleigh. Woo! All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks Thanks for for tuning in to Ike Live. See you soon. Goodbye.